Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves. From Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome in to Batter Up. It's the week of Tuesday, April 20th. We're coming to you in a bit of a different way. It's just been one of those weeks. And Joe, I will kind of pass the baton over to you quickly to to get your thoughts on the week outside of the Braves. But within the Braves, it's just seemed like a roller coaster ride of a week and one that maybe we'd like to forget. Uh, yeah, it was a crazy week, not just in terms of the results, but in terms of, you know, the results we had, you know, the Braves on the winning and losing end of kind of big blowouts. And we've got injuries galore. Uh, we'll go through all of that. And then we've also kind of been injured ourselves injured. Not, I mean, to an extent, we both got our second doses of, uh, the COVID vaccine. So, um, highly encourage everybody to go get it done if you haven't yet, but, uh, it will definitely leave you worse for wear for a couple of days. So we're a little bit delayed. And then even taking the analogy a step beyond our technology is on the injured list right now. So we're not fully at our full capacity, but we should be at our full capacity in audio form. So, uh, we hope everybody can enjoy the podcast version of this. Sorry, we are not on Facebook live today. Yeah, everyone listening, you can obviously catch it on the Odyssey app, the new app for our company. Uh, wherever you're listening to podcasts, this is in, we, we are truly the Batter Up podcast today. As like you said, we've had some technical difficulties with technology, uh, then being down with sickness, and man, I don't know that I fully expected uh, that level or, or it to hit me a day later than it did, but we mm. are back. We are running. Energy level is good now, I feel. <laughs> and I'm hoping, Joe, I'm hoping the same is for the Braves, who tonight will begin a two-game series against the Yankees. But before we get into what's going on in the future, we need to look back at the past as the Braves are now an overall record of 7-9. and nine. Not ideal with where you probably expected the Braves to be through this point. The last week, three and four, which is definitely, I feel like based on the previous week, not at all where I expected this Braves team to be, but I think they're amongst some issues with just not playing up to their performance level, Joe. This issue with injuries, I mean, it's becoming... The Atlanta Braves are, are are feeling like 
the Atlanta Hawks, where just <laughs> constantly, constantly dealing with all these injuries. It's it's wild, man. You've got Max Freed, Andrew Smiley. So that's two. You're down two starters, and that's if you're not including Mike Soroka, who you really are down, who's still obviously recovering from his Achilles injury. You lost Ozzy Albies for what did he end up missing? Just one game, I guess, after he got hit in the in the calf they're saying it looked like in the knee but um thankfully he only missed one game he's back in the lineup today against uh, the Yankees uh, we're recording this on Tuesday uh Pache out on the IL Inciarte I feel I was just like I-, I was about to say a crushing blow and it's really not for the Braves in general but I just felt like for Ender himself that was pretty brutal and man honestly the way he looked at coming off the field with that injury he was visibly upset um, and I'm, I can't help but think that it's almost like feels like potentially career ending, even though the injury isn't that, uh, you know, to that extent, it's just like another hamstring and you feel like it makes you feel like this is something that he's never going to get over. I sadly for the rest of the, his career, but he's gone Ronald Acuna Jr. Obviously the guy who has been the best player in baseball so far this season. And probably the reason why the Braves were, um, able to be three and four since our last podcast and and our seven and nine this season. Um, he has a minor abdominal strain, which was probably the best news possible that the Braves could have gotten yesterday after he had an MRI. Um, looked like he injured it while he was sliding uh, on his stomach, and he was kind of looked like he was complaining about some things in the game on Sunday. Uh, and then he really aggravated again. He slides, then after he's already aggravated, he he slides. He just goes barreling into home plate again, sliding uh, head first. Um, but yeah, good news on him generally. And then um, Sean Newcomb has apparently had a COVID contact. Uh, that's what's been reported so far. So don't know if he actually has it, and if he does, how long he'll be out. But yeah, I mean, it's like all hands on deck for the Braves right now. You've got Guillermo Heredia <laughs> playing in center field. You've got, you know, um, Ere, uh, Adrianza, you know, now playing like legitimate minutes. The Braves even had Sean Kazmar Jr., who's like, well, it was a great story, but the fact that he's even making an appearance at the major league level really, I think, just kind of says it all in terms of where this Braves, this Braves team is at right now, health-wise. So, you know, I think just looking at this um, from like a 30,000-foot perspective, it's uh, to me, this is like, it reminds me of the fa- a phase of the season like the Braves faced last year when Mike Soroka went down. And it's like, you just got to like take this period of time and try to just hang on and tread water until one, you get some of these guys healthy again, but two, until some of these guys who are healthy just, you know, start playing like they're capable of because what we've seen out of this lineup so far is really no danger at all outside of Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman at the top of the order. So um, maybe it will turn out to be a good thing where some of these guys can just kind of take a breather. Some of these guys who have, you know, taken knocks, so to speak, and uh, just get some days off, take a breather, and then get themselves back in the lineup. But it certainly feels like an inflection point of the season for the Braves. I think no matter what happens this year, we'll kind of look back at this point in the season and think, like, this is the thing that kind of turned the table one way or the other. So... Joe, it took you two minutes to get through the amount of injuries. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that because you just espoused some very long description on each one of these players. No, it took you two minutes to get through the number of guys who are injured on this roster. And I still think, and I, I may be wrong, but you you left Chris Martin off that list, I think. I did leave Chris Martin off that yeah. list. I did which leave Chris is, Martin on the, off that list. Which 
It's because, oh, I don't know, he's been hurt so long. It feels like so long ago. <laughs> yeah, that injury feels like That was the like week so, before, yeah. <laughs> it was. And, and yet we still haven't really heard much besides he has not begun throwing yet. Uh, that was that was the last no bueno. word, yeah, that I had seen from from of course David O'Brien of the Athletic. That yeah, these are not ideal circumstances when injuries are mounting up like this. However, I don't know. I started to wonder. You see, Max Fried not have the start that you wanted to see out of him, and then an injury pops up. I mean, it's not like Drew Smiley was exactly pitching great to start the year, and he's having some issues. I'm hoping we're we're through 10% of the season so far. Mm-hmm. My my hope is that okay, let's get these guys healthy. Let's you know tread water, I guess, as much as possible to get through these early pains of the season before we have these type of experiences towards the end of the year. You mentioned the the moment that this happened to the Braves last year with Mike Soroka going down was at one of the most inopportune times because the Braves then had to figure out starting pitching heading into the postseason. Mm-hmm. We're at we're at a very, very early part of the year. Yeah. And so my hope is that just like I don't know, just like in any other sport that you might go through some issues at the beginning of the of the season, by the time you get to the end, everything's oiled up, everybody's feeling good, and it's fine, whereas it feels right now like the chicken little kind of scenario where <laughs> the sky is falling just because not only all of are the Braves experiencing all of these injuries, but on top of that... They aren't winning at the pace that you would likely expect the Braves to be winning at. The one that does concern me because of how he was playing so far this year is Ronald Acuna. And I did find it interesting that there was a media member who asked after uh, after the after Sunday's game when Acuna got hurt if the Braves had to take him out or if Ronald was aware of his the extent of his injury and he knew he needed to come out. And I love the fact that Snit stood up for his guy. And I think so often, because of the style that Ronald Acuna plays, where he plays like a kid, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. I think we're way too weary to treat him like a kid and think that he's not capable of knowing his own body. Mm-hmm. Like, just because the guy is willing to give you his heart and soul on the field does not mean he doesn't know when he's hurt himself and he needs to come out and get some rest. Now, of course, we've seen that he's been put day to day. Not that surprising because, like Joe, you were saying, it it looked like it was on the slide back to first, but he did slide home, maybe making the injury worse, but it was Ronald Acuna Jr., doing what it takes to score like he yeah yeah that is what that is what you're going to get from him when he when he's on the field and so I just I do I think get worrisome sometimes when I see media members who are like well did you have to take him out like no he's he's not a child he Mm -hmm. he knows what's going on and he knows taking him out for 
a part of a game that you're up by, I think at that point, nine runs mm-hmm. is, or, or it may not have been at that point yet. Yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was, it was a comfortable lead at that point. Exactly. So it's one of those, he understands the circumstances of what's going on. Hopefully we get to see him against this Yankees team. Uh, but outside of injuries, what, I guess, Joe, what is, what's concerning for you? Well, I, I, I did want to, want to kind of go back to Acuna. I think that it's kind of ironic that he, like what you were just saying, we can acknowledge that when he's on the field, he's going to go 100% effort. And even if he feels a twinge when he's, you know, at second base and he feels like he needs to score, even though their team's already winning by a comfortable margin, he's going to go sliding in and, and just play the way he always plays the game. And to, so the re- I find it ironic that he's like that. And yet, like two years ago, he was getting blamed um, <laughs> right? after a game for like not running hard enough or like not playing the game hard enough or, or whatever it is. Uh, kind of funny because and that whole season, like the way Ronald Cunha Jr. has always been with this team is a guy who just throws, puts his body on the line and, and um, just goes all out while he's playing the game. But yeah, I mean, it is good that he was able to recognize and there was, you know, both, I think both the, the, the manager, Brian Snicker and, and Ronald were right on the same page in terms of, you know, he needed to come out of that game when he did. Uh, and it's a good thing that the injury is not so bad. Um, I think overall my perspective on this injury situation is not as dire as it may seem. Um, it's obviously not great now. It's You don't want to be in this situation ever, but I do think that the Braves are making a conscious effort or decisions to really play things as safe as they possibly can. And some of these injuries, obviously, like when you pull a hamstring, you just pull a hamstring and there's not really a playing it safe at that point. But especially when I look at a guy like Drew Smiley, you know, Brian Snicker even said if this was like a playoff situation or later in the season and, and they really needed this, him to, to go out there and make the start, he could have pitched. But I think that the team comes into this season kind of knowing that it's going to be pretty brutal on everybody physically, uh, just coming off a 60-game season and then going back into a, a 162 uh, it's just you're just naturally going to have some physical repercussions from that. So I think that it's good to like give guys time if they need time, especially early in the season, so that they can kind of naturally acclimate their bodies to the travel and playing every day. Things that you know, it's not like they didn't have to do those things last year. It was, obviously, it was just a shortened, you know, condensed version of that. But I do just think that it's a sign that you know they're taking things uh, relatively easy. And I think that probably what we'll see from Ronald Cunha, or at least. Um, what I kind of hope is that they just let him re- sit, don't play him today against the Yankees or tomorrow against the Yankees. Then you get another off day on Thursday, and then you can come back and you start a seven-game homestand against uh, the Diamondbacks, and you can get him hopefully back in action at that point. So, you know, I think that they are playing this a little bit safe, but I think that that's the smart decision. And um, we'll just hope that, yeah, some of these guys that come in can just, like you said, tread water and just make sure you don't lose that much more ground. And I would say also that, you know, the team is 7-9 and nine right now. Overall, I think if you were to ask Braves fans, most Braves fans, how things are going this season so far, they would probably tell you that the team had a much worse record than that, or, um, you know, just that it doesn't, seven and nine feels almost kind of like flattering. Like that's actually a pretty good record considering all the things that have kind of gone wrong for the Braves. It almost feels like, uh, I don't want to over kind of be overly dramatic about this, but it almost feels like everything's kind of been a disaster so far this season in terms of just, 
outside of Ronald Acuna Jr., again, um, you haven't gotten really much of anything from your uh, from your batting order, from your lineup. The rotation has not been good. The bullpen has not been good. They've been blowing leads, and I think that that also is like a stark contrast to what we saw from last year. So considering all those things, I think that you're honestly pretty not happy at seven and nine, but it's not like it's the end of the world. Obviously it's like, if you're two games below 500 in April, like that's nothing really in the grand scheme of things. So if you can just keep this mark at this point, um, until some of these guys get back and get hot, I think that this team has every chance to, um, still accomplish everything that it wants to accomplish this season. I think one of the issues that Braves fans that I've seen, because I've, I've had a few friends who have kind of attacked me on Twitter after I was very hesitant to nitpick the Braves bullpen. I think that was an area where we knew it wasn't going to be as it was potentially not going to be as good as it was last year, but more than good enough to hold games together. And then I feel like when we came on here a week ago, it was this idea that, wow, the Braves bullpen, outside of a couple of guys that I honestly didn't expect to make this team hardly <laughs> anyways, were playing pretty great. And then this past week, it seemed like yeah, that was when, okay, so we saw that AJ Mentor is human. Okay, you know, we, we saw that Waskari Noah, even though he's not in the bullpen, uh, as a starter, is human. And, and all of these things that... We thought we could count on, all of a sudden we weren't able to, and it was the reason why the Braves were losing games. Although, in hindsight, I think this is an area where we didn't talk a whole lot on this podcast before the season about how strong the National League East was, outside of just saying the National League East is really strong. Mm -hmm. I don't think people believed it. I really don't think people did. I think it was one of those... We expect what we've seen in the past where coming into the season, these teams look strong, but then they underperform like the Phillies, like the Mets, uh, and like the Marlins, who a lot of people, I guess, just weren't paying attention to the postseason last year or right. assumed that last year's postseason was a fluke. So when you see the start of this season and the Braves are playing a lot of games, against the Phillies and the Marlins and oh shocker they're having a tough time with these teams like no they're really talented the Marlins have got some incredible pitching and they stole one of I'll you know well, I'll call him our guy in Adam Duvall <laughs> who I I really I, I will say not to be one of those people who is like I called it <laughs> because it it could have it could have happened Completely opposite, but Adam Duvall was a guy that I was like, huh, that doesn't make sense to not hold on to him. He's relatively cheap, and now you're seeing him have this strong performance for the Marlins. So mm -hmm. Really twisted the knife in that series, too. He had a great series. Yeah, and, and I think with all of those things, I'm seeing people cry bloody murder, and I, at the same time, am kind of thinking myself, like, oof, this isn't good, and... As much as you want to point to the injuries, a lot of these losses did come because of guys not stepping up. But there have been guys, it seems like in the last week, who are slowly stepping up and guys that we expected to. Two of those being Freddie Freeman and 
and um, Marcelo Zuna. Joe, I guess what what have you seen out of those guys this week? Well, you know, I, I'm just overall I'm really happy that the the team made this move to to switch the the batting order that Brian Snicker did finally relent and put Freddie Freeman in that two hole. And honestly, he did it. Uh, way sooner than I would have thought. In fact, I think he did it. <laughs> yeah. I think he did it right the day that we recorded our last podcast last week. I think that that's the day that um, they made the switch. I want to say um, where I think earlier that day when we did our last show, I was kind of you know anticipating that the move might happen roughly six weeks into the season or so, so that guys could kind of get settled into their positions. But it it was on- honestly kind of. A, I feel optimistic about the team based on the fact that Brian Snicker was able to make that move so soon. And I think that when after the move was made, you immediately saw the benefits uh, that come with it, where you have like a bona fide MVP player hitting behind Acuna, Acuna pr- protecting him like that, which obviously is going to allow Acuna to see you know better pitches to hit. If he gets on base, which he has almost every time he gets up to bat, it seems like, if he's not clearing the bases himself, um, then that gives Freddie Freeman more opportunities. And Freddie has been hitting the ball really hard. Uh, he's gotten pretty unlucky this year, I think, in terms of um, just, you know, finding finding gloves and things of that nature. Um, and I think that Marcelo Zuna is finally kind of coming into form. We're starting to see signs of life from him in recent games. And, you know, it's interesting with Ozuna because I realized when I first started going to the games this season in the last homestand, I realized that I hadn't seen o- uh, Ozuna play yet, like in person oh, for the yeah. Braves. Um, so, you know, it's interesting getting the perspective from the press box where you're kind of on the other side from where the TV broadcast is. You're, you know, you're seeing like the backside of – of the batters that are in the batter's box. And to me, I hadn't kind of realized it looks like a Ozuna kind of has a swing. That's, you know, it's got a longer stride. You can tell that there's more like timing that kind of, he has to like find that rhythm and things. And so it makes sense that he might take a little bit longer to kind of find his form in the season. But I do think that we are starting to see that. And then again, so now you at, you have Acuna again, assuming that he's going to come back healthy and relatively the same guy that he was before this uh, small injury, you'll have Acuna, Freeman. Then if you get Ozuna, you know, coming back to somewhat what he was last year, uh, which is still a very good hitter, you know, then you're already starting to see real potency at the top of that lineup. And I think that as you have that potency, you just build onto it and it just kind of extends down the lineup and it just helps everybody that follows. So um, I think it's going to help Travis Darno, who's sitting behind Ozuna. You know, and, and then as, as these guys all start to kind of heat up at the plate, it's just going to help everybody. And then even beyond that, I think when you look at guys like Ozzy Albies, even Austin Riley, I'll say, I know this is going to be controversial, but you know, this is not their normal productivity. Like we're going to see much better versions of these guys just by the law of large numbers and what we've seen so far in their careers. So I'm not like super worried about those guys. In fact, and if if anything, I'm almost kind of reassured that this team is seven and nine so far this season. um, While these guys have had such a lack of productivity, obviously Ronald Acuna Jr. Can't be the Superman that he's been um, so far over the course of an entire season, but at least he has been that guy and it's helped the Braves kind of, you know, maintain, keep themselves, within shouting distance of the top of the division at this point in the season. Not that I'm like looking at the standings too closely yet, but you know, it keeps them, it keeps them alive, which is what they need right now. And I think one point to kind of add to all of this discussion. And once again, this is something that I have heard a lot of Braves Twitter talk about. And I was even, I was producing uh, for, for uh, Thomas 
this past Saturday, and it was a conversation that we had, which is the Braves can't just bring somebody in right now, uh, sign somebody, or trade for somebody, and it's going to radically change this team. There's been a lot of conversation about, okay, well, Shane Green is just waiting around, waiting for his number to be called and show up. Okay, great. That, that'd be nice. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he, I think, might be able to help this team. I don't know that for sure. And as far as it comes to offensive production, I don't know that there's anybody out there. I know a lot of Braves fans want the Braves to just reach into their minor league system and pull guys out that aren't ready yet. And that if you saw them on their major league level, you would know they aren't ready yet. And I think this team knows that. And so, like, there's no magic pill. There's no guy that they can go sign right now. Even if even if tomorrow they sign Shane Green and bring him up, that's just not going to radically change this team. The only way this team is going to get better is, A, get healthy, and, B, the guys who are actually on this team stepping up and performing better. And, and I think... Like we, mm-hmm. like you've been talking about, is we've seen that we're seeing that from some guys, not everybody, and it might take some guys longer, and we might get to a point where okay, once we get closer to the trade deadline, if Austin Riley isn't pulling his weight, maybe sure. there's a maybe there's a deal to be made. Sure. Okay, if the bullpen isn't performing like it should, then maybe you bring in Shane Green, or maybe you make a trade for somebody else, because I think the one thing. And I know I don't want to spend too much time on a guy who's not on this roster, and I don't know that there's much to say about him other than the fact of no one else has signed Shane Green, and so I just don't understand the insistence upon that I've seen from some people that bringing in one guy or two guys is just going to magically make this team that much better. Yeah, that's a very interesting situation going on with Shane Green right now. The fact that he was reportedly in the stadium uh, yeah. for a game last week is... That's not desperate. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you're trying to play hard to get, and then you realize that like nobody's, everybody's just ignoring you at that point. It's like, wait, hold on. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. I think the one name, when you talk about some of these players who, you know, or what the Braves could do to kind of address some of these in, this injury kind of crisis that they have right now is you know one of the names I've heard is Drew Waters. You know Drew Waters is a guy we've been we've heard about for years now as one of the top prospects in the system in the outfield. You know pretty much a one-two up there with Christian Pache. Obviously they have different strengths and weaknesses. They have very different kind of profiles, but generally speaking, they're both considered the two top talents um, of at least of guys that that swing the bat and. Um, you know, I think it's just a tricky situation with Waters because at the end of the day, you know, Ronald Cooney Jr., obviously, he's not even making an IL trip, so he'll probably be back in a few games. Christian Pache, his his injury is a groin, and it seemed like it was relatively minor. They said that he had actually had it for a, a few days prior to them putting him on the IL, and he just wasn't shaking it off, so they, they wanted to just sit him down and get him a rest. But it sounds like he'll be back relatively shortly. You know, I would assume right when he comes off that 10-day IL, he'll be back in the lineup. So at that point, you'll have Marcelo Zuna, Christian Pache, and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. back in the lineup. And there won't be a place for a guy like Drew Waters. And I think really when you bring up Drew Waters, you know, if and when you do that, you want it to be a situation where he's going to play 
pretty regularly for a long time. So, you know, I'm not saying that that situation wouldn't arise this year, but I really think that it would have to be a situation that's a little bit more desperate than what they're in now, where it would have to be a situation where a Christian Pache or, God forbid, a Ronald Acuna Jr. or a Marcelo Zuna is is on like the 60-day, you know, or something like that, where it's like you know you're going to need somebody for a long period of time. And I agree with you that, you know, this team can survive for the time being and, you know, figure out exactly what needs addressing. And the longer you wait, the more information you gather, both in terms of how the team performs over that period of time and how the individual players perform, where you can really refine what exactly you need uh, to bring in to make this team the championship team that you want it to be. And so, you know, in 2019, that was clearly in the bullpen. I mean, I think that the team knew that they were going to need bullpen help early in the season, but they were able to really refine exactly the needs and um, see who and, and bring in the appropriate players. And so to that end, I think when you look at a guy like Chris Martin, I think he's the ideal situation. Like he's his injury is one where it makes sense to let this play out for a bit to see what, exactly is going to be the final prognosis for him at first it was just you know let him rest a couple days and hopefully the inflammation goes down now he's they finally put him on the 10-day il for similar reasons but it's one of those ones where we don't know when he's going to be perfectly healthy and if he's not you know like if you you wait it out and if he's not then you know that you need to go out there and grab a guy who's a right-handed arm who can you know basically replace him in the back of that bullpen because it is such a crucial role to fill. But if he's coming, going to come back healthy, um, maybe then you can use those resources for another area of need, whatever that might be. Maybe it is another right-handed arm in the bullpen, but whatever it is, I think it makes sense to just wait, uh, wait, hold off, not make any big moves while you're just in this period of, of treading water and keeping yourself afloat. Joe, because of all of the injuries, are we back to having a Kyle Wright versus Bryce Wilson debate. <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious what you think about this too, but I don't think it's any kind of competition between these guys. Like <clears throat> I think Bryce Wilson's just far far and away the better pitcher at this point. Uh and I'm kind of curious, I'm just generally interested in your take on Kyle Wright specifically because that game that he pitched the other day was wild, like <laughs> literally and metaphorically speaking. It was um, he was kind of all over the place. He somehow survived. I don't, did he give up zero runs or one run? I can't remember what it was, but he also like hit four guys. <laughs> yeah, he, he hit more batters than runs given up, which is uh, rare. He was charged with two earned runs, however, and, and yeah, so three hits, two earned runs, and four in a third. He so did. many base runners. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess my thing was they won the game. <laughs> like that's that's the only that's the only thing with him that I was kind of like, well <laughs> it came like it came at a time where the Braves really needed that one. They did. And, they really needed that win. And, and so I mean obviously that, that was to start the what the Chicago series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Friday. And so they they really needed that win to build off of the you you talk about craziness you know I think of of the Miami series and how up and down that one was and so he was a part of a win Bryce Wilson a part of a much better win um a much more consistent and like that's how the Braves should be playing right. kind of yep. deal yep 
the interesting part of this, and I was trying to look around because you know how sometimes uh, using ESPN as a place to go to for information on the future, sometimes they can be a little squirrely. Well, as it stands right now, ESPN has Kyle Wright penciled in in the lineup through these next this next week in that, uh, what is this, the the third spot? Yeah, so I don't mm-hmm. know if that yep. stands. And, and I don't know if, because I haven't caught every snit postgame. Uh, obviously, like with us getting scheduled and things, sometimes it goes back and forth. So I don't know if there's been a set-in-stone plan yet. I'm just surprised to see Kyle Wright's name already penciled in when it seems so clearly that Bryce Wilson not only was the better pitcher coming out of spring, but has been the better pitcher so far in his spot start that he's had. Like, I'm just I'm so, confused. So I, I, can, I can fill you in on this. So the reason that they did that was the reason why Kyle Wright was the first one to pitch uh, and not Bryce Wilson was the fact that um, that was Kyle Wright's normal day to pitch in Gwinnett. Okay, so that so it, so it, so it lined up sense. well for him, yeah. And then Bryce Wilson, they already knew Bryce Wilson was going to be coming in in place of Max Freed. Um, yeah. So that's why that's why they made that move in that order. Um, and I think that that's probably just ESPN just assuming that he'll be pitching that day because they're just you know, they're just slotting him in from his last start. Brian Snicker said that they hoped that Drew Smiley was only going to miss that one start and that he would be back for his next one. Um, and then also said that, you know, if it was like a playoff situation or a must win or something like that, then they would, they would have gone ahead and he would have thrown. So, um, I think that hopefully Drew Smiley is back and to, to throw that next start. If not, they, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll have no problem just using Kyle Wright again, but that's the reason why I was getting questions about that too. Like why, why were they doing it? Yeah. So that, that was the reason for that. And I would expect Bryce Wilson to probably stick around longer, um, than Kyle Wright does. Yeah. Because I think then the next discussion becomes there is something to be said of how Bryce Wilson looks over these next couple of spot starts may play a role also in how Wascari Noah looks like in these next few starts mm-hmm. because he looks so good to start the year and this last one terrible not good at all yeah <laughs> which has kind of been the way he's gone like very hot cold um, so yeah, it will, it will be interesting. And I think that, you know, Bryce Wilson, if you're Bryce Wilson, you got to look at this as like, this is a great opportunity for you to, uh, you know, establish yourself. And, and they have options where Waskar, you could go to the bullpen, you know, he's kind of familiar with that role. Um, they have different things that they could do. I wouldn't be surprised if you, we end up seeing Bryce Wilson and Waskar, you somehow staying involved in this pitching staff at the same time, whether it's one of them in the bullpen, one of them starting, you know, both of them potentially starting in place of if if Drew Smiley is still held out. But, you know, I'm really high on both of these guys, honestly. Um, and so I think it makes sense to, like, not keep sending them down to Gwinnett. And especially, I don't even know if uh, Yanoa has an option left. Or maybe he, they would use his last option if they do send him down. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they can get by with using both these guys. And I think they should because they're they're quality talents. Yeah, I ar- I say I argued. I had a discussion publicly on Twitter with a friend of mine where I said I think based on having a rough week of bullpen and and depending on what happens with Chris Martin 
that you may end up in a situation where Waskar Enoa goes back to the bullpen, mm. not because not because he's not good enough to be a starter, but because he's just needed more, and you can count on him there, and you know you can also count on Bryce Wilson to that I think we could be looking at in the fall. Like this is how this team is built, where Waskar Enoa goes back into that role he he has That's experience he has experience with that yep, role he does Bryce Wilson doesn't and I'm not in a comfort level where I want to switch up Bryce Wilson because we've talked about sure. before mm-hmm. his thing is the confidence I don't know that I want to switch up things and, and break his routine where Waskari Noah it is breaking his you his routine but I I think I mean he seems like he can handle it. I like I like you know his profile in that slot too. If if it does come to fruition because he is a guy who can get strikeouts when he needs, which is obviously a huge help when you're kind of in that role in the back of the bullpen. He is aggressive. He's not going to walk a ton of guys. I mean, I guess sometimes he does well, when the when the slider's not on, but and he's a, he's a two-pitch pitcher. Like yeah, I think exactly. that's the one yeah, thing that we thing. forget is we're like, well, he's looked so great these first couple of starts. Well, Snit mentioned the fact that He's a two-pitch pitcher, and once his slider's not working... Mm-hmm. Hard to keep got- that going for for so long. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. I like, I like what you're thinking there. So, Joe, I guess what we've got this week is this Yankees series, and I, before we went to record, or I guess in these last couple of days, I've looked at this Yankees series as, I don't care what you tell me about how bad the Yankees are, I don't just typically don't trust the Braves <laughs> yeah, exactly. against the this type of opponent because it's it seems more mental than anything mm-hmm. where like they're just the big bad Yankees that you don't see very often. You saw them four games last year, lost both of them on the road and won both at home. Well, these two games are on the road, even though the Yankees have been terrible. And that's what I was going to say is that our boss, Sean Thompson, called me before this and when I mentioned the Yankees, I then proceeded to get like a 13-minute lamenting <laughs> of how terrible, terrible the the Yankees were because they went outside of their normal Yankeeism, however you want to phrase that. And instead of spending money, they tried to be cheap, just like a lot of other Major League Baseball teams. And it seems like it's not producing, even when they have big names like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole. It seems like Garrett Cole has been the only consistent thing for them. What do you look for with the Braves facing a Yankees team that isn't as good as we typically expect them to be? I'm with you. I'm with you that the Yankees just like give me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know like <laughs> what it is about them that does that. Um, but I think, you know, if you're the Braves, you go into this series, I feel like, and you just, if you win the first game, then it's like, the next game is free because it feels like you just want to split these two games, split these two games, get to the off day on Thursday to recover. And then you have this nice, beautiful seven game homestand starting after a relatively easy week here with, again, with two off days. Um, and you can kind of start anew from there. But again, we've talked a lot in this podcast about treading water, treading water. And I think that this a two game series in the middle of the week is just a perfect example of that. Win one of the two, and I think that you're very happy with that. And obviously, when you win that first one, it puts it makes the second one nice and stress-free. So let's hope that that happens. 
Yeah, and I think it also helps that the line, the pitching staff lines up where Charlie Morton goes tonight, right. and then Ian Anderson, who earned his first win ever, his first start against the Yankees and pulled out the that's win. Right. Like that's that's one of those where you have to feel comfortable that you're not getting a Kyle Wright or a Drew Smiley coming off mm-hmm. of an injury, a Waskar Eno, a kind of situation. Like you're getting two solid chances. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and I'm with you. A split would be great. Uh, winning both seems possible based on how the Yankees have played recently, but sure. as we know, it's uh, the Braves haven't played exceptional these last few games, and going up against a team who hasn't scored a lot of runs as the Yankees have kind of dealt with these issues, the Cubs were dealing with a bit of the same situation, and they managed to score quite a few in in that series so i i'm at a point where i'm with you joe it's just when get one out of this get guys healthy and then it'll be interesting to see where this braves team can go uh coming back home and getting a consistent homestand and you know what's kind of funny? So the lineup was released about an hour ago um, from when we're recording this podcast. And it's kind of funny. Pablo Sandoval is the DH. He's not coming in in the infield. So uh, as much as we've talked about like Marcelo Zuna being the DH of this team, he'll be back out there in left field. Also, interestingly uh, enough, uh, Ere Adrianza is leading off today and just basically replacing Ronald Acuna in the order. Um, and everything else saying the same. Freddie Freeman hitting second, Marcelo Zuna third, Darno fourth, Albies again. We mentioned him earlier. He's back in there today, batting fifth. Pablo Sandoval sixth, Swanson Riley, and then Guillermo Heredia, the legend, the Grand Slam, the Grand, Grand Slammer, Slam. <laughs> hitting ninth and playing center field. So uh, I think with that lineup, yeah, if you can just get out of there, get out of there with uh, one win out of two, I think that that'll be that'll do you well if you're the Braves. And I think from what you're from what you're saying, it makes sense making as little change to the lineup and to what guys have been used to playing so far through 16 games. So mm-hmm. I, you're you're kind of at a point with Ronnie out that well, you got to do something, and rather than really moving a lot of pieces around, it kind of yeah, seems and- like. And Adrianza, I mean, he's been hitting the ball better yeah. than any of yeah. these other guys who you probably would think about putting up in that in that leadoff spot. So I guess why yeah. the hell not? You're you're right, absolutely. Is there anything else, Joe, that you want to get to before we wrap up? I think that's it. I think we can go on, go ahead and get out of here. Um, again, should be should be an interesting week. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Batter Up podcast. Uh, this is going to be an interesting week as we'll come back next week. We might shift uh and change around the schedule a little bit working or, or dealing with work schedules and just outside life things that go on so be on the lookout for when we record next of course as always you can find us on the odyssey app wherever you listen to podcasts and thanks and have a great week this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 